Amen, amen. Jesus loves you so much, amen. Have we ever matched his love for us? No, I think about uh, yesterday when he and I had the pleasure, and I just want to say, uh, Babylon is decimated. 
uh, beyond repair. You hear me? And there's coming a time when God is going to rain down uh, his judgment on this entire world and all the people in it, especially those who are lost. The ones that are saved are going to be rescued from this old tribulation period that we've been studying about. I just want to encourage you, if uh, you may be a guest here, but if you go onto our website at b3hillschurch.com, Danny has so neatly organized every sermon from the very first one uh, in, in January of 22, all the way through. This is our 39th week in the book of Revelation. I know it's a little bit unusual to maybe Sunday morning do a whole book like that, but I tell you what, I have, uh, I it, it has rewarded me. Uh, so much. I don't know about you, but you have the opportunity to go back and look at any of the sermons that have been preached through verse by verse. And that's the way I try to do to expound the Word of God uh, for each one to make it where you can hopefully understand it. Uh, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, will touch your soul and give you a sense of urgency for the day is drawing near. And we're seeing the day is drawing near where Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come back and he's going to take us that are his children out of this cruel and wicked world. And we're not going to have to go through that seven-year tribulation period. The Bible speaks of that very plainly. That he's going to take us out from that those times of trouble that are coming. But the ones that are left behind, it's going to be an amazing thing because it's going to be there's going to be people that are saved during the tribulation period. Contrary to what a lot of people say, if you read the word literally, there are going to be lots of people saved during the seven years of tribulation. Lots of people. Uh, and there's going to be 144,000 Jews that are going to be preaching the word. And you're going to hear some of that this morning. And listen, this is going to be, it's an incredible time that for one, we as Christians don't want to be here for it. Amen? Amen. And listen, we shouldn't want our families to be here for it either. We should not want our neighbors to be here for it. We shouldn't want the entirety of the world to be here for it. But unfortunately, there's going to be people here for the tribulation period. But here's the thing. A lot of times they're going to be here because maybe we don't speak to their hearts about Jesus, you know. So it's important for us to have a burden on our heart to share the gospel with everybody that we come in contact with in some form or fashion, through our conversation, through conduct, how our attitudes are, and listen, and, and our character, how we hold ourselves and prop ourselves up in the holy anointing of God. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, listen, just listen as we come down here talking about Babylon. So last week we looked at the future city, Babylon, right? Because the past city is gone, it's not there anymore. Uh, but the future city, Babylon, is going to be, this is a city, I believe it's a city, representing all the false religions, is what we talked about last week, which is the entirety of chapter 17 of the world. The harlot Babylon, it was called, who rode on the back of the beast, and the beast is who? It's none other than the Antichrist himself, okay? Today, we are looking at the humanistic commercial side or the secular aspect or the political world of Babylon, all right? Last week was the false religious world. This week, we're talking about the commercial, the secular world of Babylon, it's the, the city of Babylon. And it's going to be decimated. Uh, this is going to be totally wiped out at these end times at the end of the seven years. Almighty God describes these cities in Isaiah as a drop in the bucket. God describes that city, the cities as a drop in the bucket. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15, he says, Behold, he said, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, right, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. 
The Apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill in Greece to many who worship the unknown God, the statue of the unknown God, right? He's standing on Mars Hill and explains how God has come to them in Jesus. This is what he's explaining, Acts 17, verse 30. He says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed the day. Look at this, this, look at this prophecy right here. He has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, capital M, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Amen. None other than Jesus himself. Amen? Amen? We know this by the word of God. Amen. We know this by the living examples in the word of God who were there when Jesus not only came out of the grave, but 500 people stand there and watch Jesus ascend to take his rightful position on God's throne at the Father's right hand. Can you imagine standing there being among 500? If there were two or three saying that, I might question it. But you've got 500 people, eyewitnesses, that watch Jesus leave and ascend to be with his Father. We can believe the scripture. We can believe Jesus was. We can believe that Jesus is. We can believe that Jesus is coming again. And he's going to come back for you and for me as long as we know him as Savior of our life. In Babylon, some feel this is all Antichrist and his godless system. That's what they feel sometimes. Some people think of it, well, this is the godless system of the world, right? But I tend to believe this is an actual city. Listen, in verse five, in five verses, it's called a city. Here in this chapter 10, 16, 18, 19, and 21. Everywhere you look is talked about as a city. Everywhere throughout scripture. So as this will be one city, it will have a worldwide impact. It's going to be like a capital city. In fact, this is the Antichrist capital city, Babylon. Representing the commercial political enterprise of the entirety of the world. Come on, if you watch the news today, you see the globalism push. It's for pushing that one world government, that one world system. We want everything to be fluid, everything to be alike, everybody to like everybody, everybody to uh, be diverse and, and, and perverse and in a lot of ways. And so we need to really think about what's going on and wake up. People need Jesus more than they need anything else. And we have a message for them. Despite repeated warnings throughout the book of Revelation, listen, 144,000 Jews evangelists share the gospel worldwide. The two, this is during the tribulation period. The two witnesses were sharing the gospel. An angel even flying around the globe, east, west, north, and south, is sharing the gospel message. The people refuse to repent. Some will be saved, but there's going to be many who refuse to repent. No matter what comes. And finally, the judgment will fall on Babylon and the one world commercial system will crash. Here in chapter 18, we see the culmination of seven aspects of judgment on the Antichrist one world order. And we're going to go through that. So if you have your lipstick, pen, mascara, whatever, start filling in the blanks, right? The first one is the judgment is announced. Judgment is announced. And we see this here in Revelation 18, starting in verse 1. When he says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illumined with his glory, and he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean 
wine of the passion of her immorality with her and the merchants of the earth that become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. The judgment is announced right here in these scriptures. There's two reasons for Babylon's destruction. Two reasons. You want to write them down. Number one is demonic activity. Demonic activity is rampant. Demonic activity is going on right now. But it's not going on to the level that it's going to be when the tribulation comes. But the demonic activity, we don't know how many there are. We know a third of all of heaven were cast down, along with Lucifer, right? Satan. Cast out of, out, of the, out of the presence of God to come down to earth. And we know that Satan rules, uh, he's the prince of the power of the air around the world, Ephesians teaches us that. And his demons are out here. And, and his demons try to affect all of us. And his demons have penetrated hearts and lives of those that are unbelievers. Now, if you're a believer, you can't be possessed by a demon. Amen. Amen. I just want you to know that. Amen. Light and darkness can't, can't work together inside of your heart. You hear me? Amen. But demons do work in people's lives. And you see it. And you see it around you. Sometimes you don't recognize it, but you see it every day, probably. And so you just gotta, we just gotta think about it. And so after these things, when he said after these things, this is the beginning of a new vision for John, right? While we looked at the bold judgments of chapter 16, and then this chapter 18 moves us from the religious of last week to its commercial aspects today. This angel John sees a different, uh, different from one he saw in 17 verse one. This is a different, entirely different angel. Some people think this angel is Christ. Some people will say that this angel is Christ. Uh, but it, I don't believe it is. But the Greek word here shows that or it means that this angel is of the same type as in chapter 17. So this isn't Jesus, right? Three things reveal his unusual power and importance of this angel. Number one, this angel came down from heaven with great authority. Number two, Listen, when he arrived, the earth was illuminated with tremendous glory. Right? Here this angel is coming to a darkened world. Remember the fifth ball? Darkness came over the whole world. So here, people went in the dark, right? And this angel comes in light, illuminated, in great, great glory. Revelation 16.10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnaw their tongues because of pain. This angel's brightness will be so blinding to the world. Listen, from darkness to light, it will be amazing. Kind of like our sanctuary today. Is it a little brighter in here to y'all? You like that? Amen. It's going to be much bigger than that. This angel's going to bring it. You hear me? It's going to be much brighter than that. I mean, you think about heaven. The Bible teaches us there's no need for a sun or a moon. Why? Because the, the Lord is going to illuminate heaven. Yes. You're going to see light like you've never seen before. And we'll get to that. Listen, from the time you were born to right now, there's shadows everywhere you are. See, I cast a shadow on the wall. In heaven, there's not going to be a shadow. There's going to be no shifting shadow. His perfect light is going to illuminate everything. I would say we might go around with sunglasses on. I don't think so. I think our glorified bodies are going to be able to uh, uh, take in all of that glory. I mean, listen, 
We haven't even seen or heard what God has for us. It's going to be the most fantastic, fantastic thing. Heaven is worth going to. Listen, we can't even, we can't even, John can't even describe it in a way that we can truly understand. He does the best he can. Our minds couldn't handle all that he saw. I believe that. But listen, it's just, it's just, a, it's just really an amazing thing. This angel's brightness is going to be blinding. It will be shocking and terrifying to everyone on earth, though. Think about going from darkness to immediate light. This angel cries. Listen, this angel number three, he cries with the mightiest voices ever. No one on earth will be able to ignore him. They will both see him and they will hear him. They will see him and they will hear him. People will be so afraid just past his appearance alone as he carries out his judgment predicted in uh, Revelation 14.8. Revelation 14.8 says, And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Folks, this is the judgment that takes place when the seventh hole is poured out. Why? Because he says, She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison for every unclean spirit. Think about all the 200 million demons released at the sound of the sixth trumpet. Y'all remember that? Chapter 9, verse 13. 200 million. Can, you, can anybody in here count that high? No, I can't. Take the rest of my life probably count that high. I don't know. That's a lot. Think about the demons released at the sound of the fifth trumpet. Revelation 9, 1 through 11. And how about those cast from heaven to Satan? Think about all these demons. Unbelievable, right? Listen, they will, they will all be confined in Babylon. I know how that's going to happen. The city will be entirely destroyed, a prison for every unclean and hateful bird. These birds will hover over the doomed city, waiting its turn. This is heaven's view of all these demons. We also see her destruction happens because these nations drank the wine of passion and immorality with the harlot. The kings of the earth drank as well. The nations become rich with her sensuality. All the nations of the world are infected by this and will pay the price of wickedness. They are affected and affected. The people will be in a daze or in a spiritual coma. Because they'll be dead. Unbelievers. They won't even know what's going on. It'll be like a deer in the headlights. They won't even know what's going on. The entire world will be seduced by this evil. Number two, judgment can be avoided. Judgment can be avoided. We serve a God who gives every opportunity under the sun, and under the moon, and under the stars. He gives every opportunity for a man to get right and to, and to surrender his life to the will of God. But in verse 4, it says, I heard another voice from heaven, another angel, came out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues, for her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Another voice makes it clear that his can be avoided, but it falls on deaf ears. How many times do you ever talk about Jesus with somebody that falls on deaf ears? How many times they within your own family members that you try to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and what he did for them 
And they just don't want to hear it because they like what they're doing. That's they right. like how they're living. And it falls on deaf ears. They don't want to hear it. They don't have time for it. It reminds me of a time I had a colonel who I was coming out of the office and I was going down my own business, right? And next thing I know, this full-bird colonel stops me in the hallway and he's talking to two captains along the wall. And he looks at me and he says, Sergeant Horn. I said, yes, sir. He says, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. And so he started talking to me about my faith and what he'd seen. And then, guess what I saw? I saw these two captains slithering down the wall. <laughs> Exit stage left. And that's what they were doing. They didn't want to hear it. People don't want to hear it. Satan blinds the eyes and the minds of people who don't want to hear the truth of the gospel. Satan does that. So you need to pray. You need to really pray hard. Pray hard for your kids. It's not so much them as much as it's the devil hiding the cross and hiding Jesus and hiding the goodness of his grace and mercy from their eyes and from their understanding. Please, pray extra prayers for your kids. Don't give up. Never give up. Praying for your young ones. Never give up. A call for people to come out from among them. This is what the call is in this verse. To come out from among the world. For God's people to come out from among the worldly evil system. The message here is to abandon the system. All who have ears must hear and leave. It's time. In fact, Colossians 1.13 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. The kingdom of light. Amen? First, God's people must abandon or flee Babylon to not participate in her sins. Second, they must also not receive her, her plagues. The plagues are specific judgments of God in Babylon. Perhaps the seventh bowl. Also to flee because her sins are piled up to the heavens. Can you imagine sins being piled up to the heavens? Jeez. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty stack of sins, right? They were adjoined or glued together with her. God will take note of every single sin. Your sin, my sin. He takes note of all of our sins. What I love about what he does with our sins when we're believers is he takes them and casts them to see your forgiveness as far as the east from the west. Aren't you glad?
If you can't, you better be working on home. <laughs> you better get in the Word. You're not in the Word. He gives you everything that you need. You got the Holy Spirit crying out loud inside of you, speaking to you every single day, every moment, every footstep you take. The Holy Spirit's there to tell you the truth. He's there to rebuke you when you're doing wrong. Where do you think that comes from when you hear it? He says, don't do that. Well, you know, I won't be so bad at first time. It won't become a habit for me. Oh, yes, it will. As soon as you give in, man, it's over. As soon as you, your thought even goes there, it's over. And you got to trust the Lord with your heart. In every single way. In every way. Number three, judgment is defined. Is defined. Judgment is defined. Judgment is defined. Look at that, verse 6. Pay her back even as, as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her mm. to the degree that she glorified herself and sensuously to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am not a widow and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. Amen. Listen, this angel is speaking to God. Listen, a call for vengeance on Babylon. This kind of parallel of the martyred saints. Remember the martyred saints below the throne of God when Jesus was on top of the throne, the martyred saints under there who died. During this tribulation period, they were martyrs. Listen, when you get saved, this is what's going to happen to you in the tribulation. That's what's going to happen to them. They're going to be killed. They're going to be martyred. Especially the Gentiles. Revelation 6, 9, 10 says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. And because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? See, if you look, plenty of grace has been extended to these folks with plenty of warnings. This is a, it's, it's destruction, it's time. This is the end time for Babylon. The request for God to give back double according to her deeds. Double. Can you imagine getting double from God according to your deeds? The punishment must fit the crime. Double has been her sins and double will be her punishment. God will mix twice as much for her. Also, there is a third call on God from the angel to exact complete vengeance on Babylon. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am not a widow and will never see mourning. To the degree is a call to match the punishment to the crime. This is a biblical principle. The Bible says, be sure your sin will what? Find you out. You can't get away with sin. None of us can. Our God is holy and he abhors sin, any sin. And you can't get away with it. You will never get away with it. So come clean. Oh sinner man and woman, come clean today. 
confess your sins to him. He who is faithful to us will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. All you believers who have sinned unconfessed. In fact, Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him woe, but a humble spirit will obtain, obtain honor. Luke 1, 51 says, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. See, there are three sins, three sins that call for Babylon's judgment. The first one, she was full of pride. See, pride goes before what? Every time. This is prideful. I think Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. Pride. Second thing, she pursued self-gratification. It's whatever I want, whatever pleases me. That was, that's the world system. Whatever pleases me. And the third was, she was guilty of self-sufficiency. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I'm not a widow, and will never see mourning. See, torment and mourning, listen, this is what it is. Torment is torture. That's what torment is. It means torture. Mourning is literally grief of that torture. That's what the mourning is. Grief of that torture is what it produces. Hell will be that place for both. And that is going to be so sad. Also, the angel conveys that one day her plagues will come. And this will be an all-at-once destruction for the city. In one swift moment, destruction will be its end. It's going to happen just like that. The ancient city of Babylon received the same fate in Daniel 5.30. When he says that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. And they were, the city was overtaken. Three plagues will result in Babylon's complete devastation. Three plagues, it says in the scripture. Pestilence, mourning, and famine. Then Babylon will be burned up with fire. The next we have number four is judgment is lamented. Judgment is lamented. Listen, as the kings of the earth, verse 9, as the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and essentially with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city of Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore, their supplies. Cargoes of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls and fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron, wood and every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour. This is about everything, don't you think? It's about everything. And wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes and horses and chariots and slaves and human life. Verse 14, the fruit you long for is gone from you. And all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you. And men will no longer find them. Verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning. Verse 16 saying, whoa, whoa, here it is again. The great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones and pearl. For in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster and every pastor and sailor and as many as make their 
by the sea, stood at a distance, and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw the dust on their heads, and they were crying out, and they were weeping, and they were mourning, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. This is awful. First, these mourners introduced all the leaders, the kings of the earth. That's the first woes. These are the ten kings who ruled the Antichrist kingdom for him. Revelation 17, 12 said, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. His reign is going to be very short. Very, very short. Also, the rest of the world he controlled. Listen, there will be worldwide shock and dismay when these things go down. This will be the fatal blow to his empire. Look at the leaders watch everything burn. They watch everything burn and they will cry out their woes. They cry out their woes. Verse 10 saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city. For in one hour your judgment has come. Because this is a city that has endured all the judgments to now. And then in disbelief, they've survived these other judgments, but they're in disbelief because this is a devastation that's going to absolutely take place and they can't run and hide from it. It's going to happen in one quick, swift thing. They will utterly and helplessly cry out for her. The next mourners are the merchants. These are all the business leaders of the world. They will not be able to buy or sell anything anymore. It's over. This is done. No more normalcy in the world. This will be a devastated planet. The planet will be devastated. No more, no more economy activity on the globe. It's done. And then there are 28 items listed of merchandise that I just read. Gold, silver, fire, wheat, cow, etc. Right? They represent the great wealth of the Antichrist. The commercial empire. And then the merchants in verse 11, they said, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. And then they stand at a distance, right? They just watch verse 16 saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city, she has clothed and fine linen of purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones and pearls for in one hour since great wealth has been laid waste. And then the third and final group joined the lament are the ones who make their living in the seas of the earth. With no more goods to transport, it will be de devastating for them. No more transportation for stuff. In interrupting every mode of travel on the face of the planet. Like the merchants, they too will cry out in their expression of pain. Seven, verse 19. And they threw the dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping in mourning, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city which all the ships at the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has been laid waste. Here we see such expression of pain, but no repentance in sight. There's no, there's no repentance at all. In amazement, we see an entire world system wiped out in one final hour. Just think about the swiftness of this destruction. Can this world be destroyed in one hour? Man, you look at all the bombs and all the atomic bombs and the hydrogen bombs and Russia's that. You look at everything today, and who knows? We don't even know all that's out there. I promise you, you know. Destroy the entire world in a nanosecond. But it's only going down the way God has ordained. 
People can do what they want to us. They're not going to escape the wrath of God. We need to people saved. One fire, a city being the source of all wealth, is obliterated in one single hour. Next we see number five, the judgment is enjoyed. Verse 20 says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Now listen, heaven will have quite a different perspective than the earth does. Totally opposite. Now the angel addresses the redeemed in heaven. Folks, that's you and I. The saints, the apostles, the prophets. The Lord calls all of us to rejoice over Babylon's fall. Because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. All that heaven rejoices because of the triumph of righteousness. And the exaltation of our Savior Jesus Christ. And the arrival of his kingdom on earth. Amen. All of heaven rejoices. Then we see what's next. Number six, the judgment is complete. It's a completed judgment. Verse 21. Then a strong angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of the mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. There's another strong angel. He appears in John's vision. Then in one final blow, a stone like a millstone, huge, he throws it into the sea. So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. In one moment, the stone is thrown into the sea. As it disappears, Babylon will disappear with it. No more will it be. There will not be any normal activity on the earth as a result of this devastation. Think about it. No music. No working. No preparing food. No life. No marriage. This Babylon will be no more forever. As predicted in the Old Testament. Isaiah 13, 19 says, And Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the child and his pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation, nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will the shepherds make their flocks lie down there, but the desert creatures will lie down there, and their houses will be full of owls, ostriches, also lies there, and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyannis will howl in their fortified towers and jackals in their luxurious palaces. Her faithful time also will soon come, and her days will not be prolonged. And finally, number seven, judgment is justified. Verses 23b, 24. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who had stayed on the earth, slain on the earth. Here are the final reasons, listen, for Babylon's judgment. First, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. They used their wealth to attain positions of prominence and power and influence in the world system. Second, was that her sorcery deceived all the nations of the world. And the English word for sorcery we get from the Greek word is called pharmacy. Or pharmaceuticals. Did you know that? Hmm. 
think about when I hear that word trust. I'm thinking about that. In the New Testament, it is a word to refer to magic and occult practices. This is how Babylon held on to all of its power. It was not just military might, but economical power, but also through sorcery, occult practices to include drugs. The final reason for Babylon's judgment was her murderous slaughter of God's people throughout the world. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. The heavenly rejoicing over Babylon's downfall in chapter 19 mentions this. In chapter 19 it says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because His judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Both what we're hearing today. Listen, it's a tremendous sad day for the world. But it's also an incredible joyous day in heaven. And so my question for you today is we close. These are two pictures on display here. Which celebration will you be part of? Which celebration will you be part of? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I know it's a lot to take in. But Lord, the gist of everything, Lord, you have the final say so in everything from beginning to end. And Lord, your judgment is going to come. It's going to come over a period of time. Sometimes some of us, we're judged. In fact, the Bible says if we're a lost person, we're already judged. We're judged already. As a believer, we'll be judged even as a believer. We'll be judged for the works of righteousness that we do or don't do as a Christian. It won't change our position in Christ, but it will change the rewards that we receive in heaven. It's my prayer today, number one, that every soul in here is saved and knows Jesus Christ first and intimately as Savior and not just Savior but Lord. I don't know how you can have a Savior and not allow Him to be a Lord of your life. Because if a person is really saved, they're going to want Jesus to be the Lord of their life. Because they realize, they realize the price that you paid for each and every one of us. And that price was your only begotten son to die for the sins of the world, to shed his blood, to suffer a cruel death on the cross, to take every sin of every human being from beginning to end. And he took it on himself. So if we're saved, we need to live like we're saved. Because he needs to be Lord of our lives.
And I ask you to allow Jesus to come into your heart and life and save you today. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all. But I do believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. And change me today. I may be the Lord of my life this very hour, this very day. I don't know what all I need to do, but all I know is, Lord, I need to change. There needs to be a change. Lord, change me today. We can't change ourselves. Only God can change. I pray that if somebody received Christ as Savior today, that they will let me know at the end of service so I can share with them and celebrate with them. Not just celebrate, but share with them what we need to do next. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Let me know. I want to help you and celebrate with you. For my Christian brothers and sisters, I pray, if you don't know Jesus, if, if, if you've been sinning and you have an unconfessed sin, I want to give you an opportunity before we go into the Lord's Supper right now to, to repent of your sin, ask for God's forgiveness of your sin, call it out to Him right where you sit. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Tell him whatever it is. I don't want you to take this suffering in an unworthy way. Make sure your heart is pure. Make sure you're saved and your heart is pure before you take partake in this Lord's suffering. Lord, we thank you for your word. As hard as it is, and Lord, it is very difficult at times, especially when you're lost. Very convicting. Makes you want to crawl under the carpet. But Lord, your mercy and your grace endures forever. And Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. And we can give our lives to you, Jesus, and know that you secure us in the last book of life forever. That you're not the smackdown God you can be, but you really love us.
At the conclusion of the Feast of Passover, which he and his disciples were celebrating, what did he do? He took the bread, having blessed it, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you are the sinless lamb that came to earth to be slaughtered on our behalf. Yes. And Lord, as we think about your pure, perfect, sinless self, that you took all of our sins in this room. Lord, you took the sins of the entire world in your body. You were beaten and battered and bruised for our transgressions. And Lord, you just, you just, you just surrendered everything for us. You laid your life down for us. And you called us your friends. You love us, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us and taking all the stripes and beating for us. The Bible says your body was broken for us. Let us not forget that picture in our mind. And with thanksgiving in our heart, we thank you, Jesus. For your body broken for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name.
I love this passage of scripture in John 6, 58. It said, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the man and the fathers ate and they died. The one who eats of this bread will live forever. Thank you, Jesus. Take it in.
1 Corinthians 11.25 states in the same way. He also took the cup after supper and said, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In 1 John 1.7, he said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. Are you grateful for the blood of Jesus? Yes, thanks tonight. We're still in the grace. 